Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, good morning. Boy, it's good to be back with y'all. It, it, you know, it was five and a half years ago, I guess, the last time I got to preach here. I had just come on as director of missions, and, uh, and I was honored to come and at, be asked to come and preach for a few months until Joel was able to come on. I'm thankful for Joel. Boy, he's doing a great job here. And join in with these great staff that you've got just to put some things together. Hey, I want you to turn in the book of Matthew to chapter 25, and we're going to be looking at a just a powerful, powerful parable that Jesus tells in the parable of the talent. But while you're turning to that, let me just kind of start out. How many of you can remember your first real job? The one you got paid for. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I mean, I worked all my life. My dad, we were working outside all the time. I just didn't get paid for it. You know, I mean, they fed me and they housed me, but uh, didn't get any money for it. But I remember my first job, and it was a horrible job. How many of you remember that? You had a bad job. My mother worried about me, and she wanted to make sure that I wanted to go to college. So she put me out on the interstate highway, cutting the interstate highway with a swing blade. That is a real job. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this. My mother was a secretary with the state of Alabama Highway Department. And so she finagled it where I would get this job. And I made a big whopping $1.67 an hour because that's what minimum wage was back then. And I started my first day a few days ahead of when the rest of the guys started. So for my first day on the job, I'm working with this old fella. Now, I say he's old. He's probably about my age uh, now. But uh, this old fella whose name was Mr. Kilpatrick. Now, let me describe Mr. Kilpatrick for you. He only had one hand. The other hand was lost in a sugarcane mill accident when he was a boy. So here's this man driving a manual shift dump truck with me in it. And he rolls his cigarettes in the nub, I mean, in his elbow while he's driving. Okay, can you imagine that? Now, some of you cannot. Some of you are going, what are you talking about? You know, it used to be a long time ago, men would roll their cigarettes with a can of Prince Albert, and they would do that. Mr. Kilpatrick, while we're going down the interstate, 50 miles an hour, he's driving with his nub, and putting tobacco in the cigarette with his other hand, all the while driving this truck. You know, he'd smoke the cigarette, and we'd go on. My first challenge in that job was this. He told me, he said, now, I have been asked to drop you off here at this intersection, and you're to cut this intersection with a swing blade, and I'm going to take off. And when I come back, I'll pick you up, and then we'll go and do something else. So I'm thinking to myself, my mother, will, he will report back to my mother this afternoon. And if I don't do what he says, I'll get in trouble. So for the next two hours, I single-handedly cut that whole intersection. 
a huge area with a swing blade. Now, I will tell you, knowing how teenagers are now, I mean, some teenagers, knowing how I could have been, Mr. Kilpatrick comes back, and there he finds me, having finished the job, and he looked relieved. Because he could go and tell my mother, Christine, Dennis did the job. There's nothing like finishing a job well, is it? Of being told you've done a good job. And it reminds me of what Jesus tells us, because one day Jesus is going to come back. Now, let me ask you something. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you ready to face him? Are you ready to see this world and all of the injustice and all of the sinfulness and the destructiveness of this world? Are you ready to see it come to an end? Are you ready to meet your Savior and Lord who died on the cross for you? I am. I'm ready. But how do we know we're ready and what are we to do until then? Jesus is going to come back. We've got to be ready. And Jesus tells us in chapters 24 and 25 in what is called the Olivet Discourse, he prepares his disciples and he prepares us for the destruction of, of, of Jerusalem and the temple, but also for his second coming. And he gives us three stories. He always does a great job telling stories. And he gives us three stories about how we're to be ready. The first story is the story of the, of the young maidens who are waiting for the wedding to take place. And they all fall asleep, and some run out of oil, and some do not. And he tells us that if you want to be ready for Jesus' return, be vigilant. Here in this passage, he tells us how to stay busy until he comes. How to stay busy. So let's look. Beginning in verse 14, this passage. For it is like a man who's about to go on a journey, and he calls his servants and entrusts his possessions to them. Now to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. And then he went on a journey. And immediately the man who had received five talents went, and he put them to work, and he earned five more. And in the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So let's stop there, and let's see, learn some things about this passage. Number one, you notice it says, beginning of verse 14, it will be just like this. It will be like this. Now, what is it? Well, you look back in uh, verse 1 of chapter 25, and we see here that what it's talking about is the kingdom of heaven. He is saying the kingdom of heaven is going to be like this, and he paints this picture, that the master leaves. Who is the master? Well, the master is Jesus. And he tells us that the master, Jesus, gives three of his disciples, his servants, he gives them a bag of of gold, of great wealth, a talent. Well, if one gets five talent, one gets two talents, one gets one talent. Now we look at that and we think, a talent? What in the world is a talent? Now, in Jesus' day, when they heard that, they knew exactly what a talent was. A talent was an amount of money. And in fact, 
even one talent would have equaled all the salary that you take in all your life with the job. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being given a life's worth of salary that you will ever make at one time? That's a lot of money, isn't it? Now, some receive five talents. One received two talents. And one received one talent. Now, you think about what you could do. What could you do if you had all your money given to you at once? Do you realize what the average person makes over his, his or her lifetime? I mean, let me tell you, it adds up to a lot of money. And in fact, uh, if you look at this, it, this would have been around $900,000 that these people were given in each talent. So this is an amazing gift that we find ourselves being given. Now, why does Jesus tell us this story? Well, it tells us this story because he wants us to realize what we've been given as believers. He wants us to realize the blessings that come from following Jesus. You see, these talents are vast riches beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And also, it goes beyond money. You think about the richness that comes from following Jesus Christ. You think of the knowledge that you have because of following Jesus. You think of the forgiveness that can never be purchased. You think of all the opportunities you have to serve that you would never have had if you did not have Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. So you are very, very wealthy because of that. More than money could ever provide. You are, you are fabulously blessed more than any other people on the earth because you are a follower of the King. And Jesus tells us, these people have been given more than they could ever imagine. And then he tells us that each one of them did something with what was given to them. Now let's look on it and see after a, we're told in verse 19, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts for them. The man who had received five talents approached and presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with over a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And the man who had two talents also approached, and he said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Go and share your master's joy. So let's look here for a second and think through what we've just read. We're told here that it was many, many years. After a long, long time, the master finally returns. Now, some of us are sitting out here, and we can certainly relate. We're thinking, Jesus, when are you coming back? Jesus, when will all this be over? Jesus, when can we see you? When can we see you face to face? And we've been working and we've been serving. And so Jesus deals with this. He said, he, he, he paints this picture. 
And I want you, to, want you to look at this. We see here that the faithful are going to be rewarded. Now, isn't that nice to know? The faithful are going to be rewarded. You've been faithful to the task. Don't you think your master knows what you've done? Look what he tells us. The first thing that we see here is this. He says, the man who received five bags of gold brought another five. He said, master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. I see, can't you see? I've gained five more. Now, I want you to picture what this must be like. Here is this man who has been faithful to his Lord from the moment he met him. He has served him. He's been faithful to the task. And he's taken what God has given to him, and he's made more out of it. He was faithful with those five bags, and he made five more bags. He took what God had for him and grew it. Now you think about this. Here you are as a believer. God radically saved you. Your life was changed forever. And he took you. And he blessed you. And he gave you opportunity. And others have come to know the Lord because of your ministry. You've been a faithful Sunday school teacher. You've been a faithful servant of the Lord here at this church. And you've served and you've served the Lord and you've grown in your walk with him. Let me tell you something, that never stops. I got radically saved when I was 18 years old. I'm 64 years old now. And I will tell you, every time I get in God's word, every time I serve him, it's a greater blessing today than it was when I was 18. It, you don't stop growing if you're walking with the Lord. But look what the Lord does. This servant comes to him. Bows down before him and says, Lord, this is what I've done with my life. And look what the Lord says. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a, through a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. You come. You share your master's happiness. Now let's break that down. Because this is where the water meets the wheel. Okay? This is where... The rubber meets the road. This is where we understand our servanthood. First of all, the first reward that we have to look forward to as believers is this. It is a praise-filled approval for what you've done. Don't you think the Lord knows what you do with your life? Don't you think he recognizes and realizes all that you've done? Don't you think he sees your effectiveness you know, when I was a young pastor, I uh, went to my first pastorate, and I remember my director of missions was an old goat, just like I'm an old goat today. And he said this to me. He said, young man, you'll find out that ministry is hard. And I, honestly, I looked at him, and I thought to myself, well, that's because you're just an old goat. You don't know what you're talking about. Discouragement. Depression, I'll never deal with that. Let me tell you something. Over the years, 38 years of pastoring and being a director of missions, I'll tell you the number one attack by the enemy is discouragement. I bet you anything I can look out upon this crowd and you can raise your hands, but I'm not going to ask you this. How many of you have been discouraged as a Christian? How many of you who have been serving the Lord faithfully can say there are times I'm discouraged and depressed. I want to quit. 
I don't want to do this anymore. You know why? Because that's the tool that Satan used most of all to destroy us and to hurt us. Discouragement. But there's going to come a time when we stand before the Lord and we find out all those things that we did, all the service that we gave, all the blessings that we were able to bestow upon others, all the lives that were changed, it's going to be worth it. Because we're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't let discouragement ruin you. Second thing is this. He tells us, you've been a good faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Now, some of us think when we get to heaven one day that we're just going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Now, some of you are getting older. You may be thinking, well, maybe I should take lessons because I don't know how to play a harp. But I want to tell you, when we get to heaven, according to the scripture, guess what's going to happen? we got more work to do. Now, some of you are saying, preacher, I'm old and tired. I don't want any more work. But just think, we're going to stand before the Lord. We're going to have new rejuvenated bodies. We're going to have plenty of energy. And guess what? The food's great up in heaven. And in fact, the wonderful thing about it all is you don't have to take any cholesterol medicine. <laughs> You're going to be fine. But when we get to heaven, what he is saying is this. Listen, you're here on this earth. I gave you these responsibilities. And I found you faithful. And this is what I want to do. I'm going to give you more responsibilities. You started out here. I'm going to move you up. I'm going to use you in an effective way. See, that's what we have to look forward to. More service for God. You know, heaven is a place where we're going to serve. Heaven is a place that we're going to worship and serve and work. But the great thing is, it's a perfect place. No more discouragement. No more depression. Moving ahead with what we have to do. You see, we've been given the task. And finally, finally we see this. Not only is that the case, he said, come and share your master's happiness. You see, when we stand before Jesus one day, he's going to look at us and he's going to say, you've done a good job. You've been faithful to the task. You finished the race. Folks, let me tell you something. And this is something I want to encourage every one of you who are believers here today. You need to listen to this very carefully. I want you to take those rewards that I've described. I want you to realize what God has for you, and I want you to stick them in your brain. I don't want you to ever forget that. If you need to, you can tattoo them on your arm. Whatever you need to do, use that to motivate you to finish well. Folks, let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. It is soon, and we've got to be found faithful. That's why Jesus is telling us what we have to do. He's given us and blessed us. And he's saying, finish well. Some of you sitting out here today are discouraged. Some of you are looking here today and you want to quit. You want to throw up your hands. Don't do it. Do not do it. 
because the race is almost over. Now, Jesus also gives us a warning, and this is a warning we don't like to hear, but it is something that we must if we're going to finish this parable. Look, beginning in verse 24 and 25. But the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you and you're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. See, what I have is yours. Now just picture this. These other two have fallen joyfully before the Lord and worshipped him. And they are so excited because they have a relationship with him. And they know who he is. And he, they love him and are so glad that he's back. This other guy comes with fear and trepidation. And he begins by trying to act very pious. But he's not pious at all. Look what he says. He said, Master, I know you. I know who you are. You're a harsh man. Who? The same one these other fellows came down and worshipped? And this man's calling him a harsh man. Reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid of you. And I went off and I hid that, that uh, talent in the ground. And I just buried it underneath the fence post. And when I heard you had come back, I dug it up. And here it is. Here all that talent is covered with dirt. Wasted useless why because he did nothing with it now i want to tell you the danger for any of us as we listen to this because i don't know your heart only god does but i will tell you this the lord's desire for us is that we be diligent until he comes back and when we drop the ball when we fail to serve that's what he desires of us. What did he do for us? He's a good God. He loves us. He saved us from sin. He forgave us when we could, not be, we could not forgive ourselves, could not earn our salvation. And he took us and he made us into new creatures and he made us a child of the king. What a blessing. And for us to treat God in the way that many people treat him. To say you're mean you're cruel you're not looking out for me i don't trust you you see when we face the lord one day when we face him with that there's a price to be paid now let me ask you this how does jesus the master respond to this man look what he said the master replied to him. Now, I will tell you, the master did not reply as some of us wishes he would. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. I, I guess I didn't make myself clear. No, he didn't say that at all. Look what he says. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gathered where I have not scattered, then you should have deposited my money in, with the bankers and I would have at least received my money back with interest when I returned. But you see, this man has the audacity to blame his master. He's no different than the first two. 
but he's accusing him of being cruel. To summarize, what Jesus is saying is this. Any way you look at this situation, any way you look at it, the issue is not with my character, it's with you. It's with you. And Jesus renders this verdict. Look what he tells. And so the talent, so take that talent from him, and you give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough, but from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And you throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I want to tell you something. When we look at this passage, when we're reminded of what Jesus has done, and we're reminded of the attitude of this servant, it should remind us this, that there is accountability. Jesus expects us to be busy for his return. I hate to tell you this, but sitting, just coming to church and acting like you're doing God a favor is not a spiritual gift. Coming here, but not serving, not leading people to Jesus, not telling others what the Lord has done for you, not taking on those tasks, doing all the responsibilities of ministry is not enough. It's just we are called to serve. And we're called to stay busy. You see, the sin of this man is the sin of many. It's the sin of omission. It's the sin of slothfulness. You see, this unfaithful life is laziness. It's an unwillingness to serve. And the punishment is threefold. Number one, when he stands before the Lord, there is no praise. When he stands before the Lord, there's not going to be any work, further work or responsibility when he stands before the Lord, there's no joy in the master's presence. There's only dread. You see, this person is going to be cast to the outside. Now, that's a warning for every one of us. Now, why does Jesus take this great passage of the talents and close it out with this? Because he wants us to hear this warning. And this, these are the words of Jesus through this parable. He is saying... That he does not want us to feel forever the regrets of a wasted life. He desires for us to serve him. And he desires for us to be found faithful to the end. And the reason Jesus tells us this in this passage is so that when we won't face him one day, we won't be surprised. That we are called to serve. Now, let me ask you this as we come to a, a close of this today. Where are you with your walk with God? If you knew you only had six months to live, what would you do with your life? What would you do differently? If you knew that you would face Jesus sooner than later, how different would you live your life? Well, let's go back and let's talk about this for a second. Because let's go back to the relationship that you have with him. Do you have... Have you truly been born again? Do you truly have a walk with God that was, it was transformative? It was life-changing? Do you have a walk with God that you walk with Him and you have a relationship with Him and you love Him? 
Or is he just some historical figure? Is Jesus just some historical figure in your mind like Abraham Lincoln or George Washington, but you don't have a relationship with him? You can have that relationship today. You could come to him and make him the master, the savior of your life by giving yourself over to him completely. You see, what God desires from us is all of us, 100%. He desires that we serve him with all our hearts, with all our lives. And he desires that we be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because our labor is not in vain. Now, maybe some of you are sitting here today and you've grown up in church and you know about Jesus. You grew up in church, you've heard it from Sunday school on. But you don't have a relationship with him. How do you develop that relationship? The first thing is, you, A, you've got to admit you're a sinner. You've got to admit you need him. You've got to admit you have fallen short. Not only have you fallen short, but you are controlled by sin in your life. Let me tell you something. Life is hard on this side of heaven. But you've got to admit you need God. Not only do you have to do that, but you've got to believe the Bible tells us, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe you're sitting there today, and you believed about Jesus, but you don't believe in him. You don't have a relationship with him. The Bible says we can believe in him, and not only that, we can have a relationship with him and walk with him. And then we're told, that we're willing to admit we're sinners and we believe in him that we're to confess it we're to tell him and we're to tell others that that jesus christ we're got to confess with our hearts and with our mouth that jesus christ is our lord and savior are you willing to give your heart and life to him today now we're going to have some of our ministers up here this morning to pray with you, to deal with the spiritual needs in your life. There may be some of you here today who've never given your heart and life to Jesus and you need to do so this morning. There may be some of you who know that if you face Jesus tomorrow or today, that you're not ready to see him. You're not ready to meet him and things have to be turned around. Whatever decision, won't you make it this morning? Let's bow for prayer. Thank you, Dennis, for that amazing message. What a great reminder of how important it is for us to be diligent with the gifts God has given us. I love that parable of the talent. Um, I love the fact that God has given us all something different and He's tasked us to take what He's given us and use it to make a difference for His kingdom's sake. Here's the deal. God is counting on you to take the good news of the gospel to somebody. Hey, somebody is waiting for you to share the good news of the gospel with them. And maybe you're watching this morning and you've never taken that step to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. There is no better time today. In fact, we know this from scripture. We aren't promised tomorrow. And so, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's as simple as understanding that you're a sinner. You're not the first sinner. 
Um, we, we're all sinners. In fact, it started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. They ate the fruit that God commanded them not to eat. We're all sinners. You've got to be willing to admit that. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried dead in the tomb, and on the third day He rose again. And when He did that, He conquered sin, death, and hell for you and for me. And then Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 tells us this, if we believe that in our heart and we confess it with our mouth, we will be saved. And maybe you've never made that decision. I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. So if God's spoken to your heart, tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. God, I'm asking you based on what Jesus did on the cross to forgive my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to tell you, welcome to the family. And there are some things that you need to know about the Christian life. In fact, we want to help you know what your next step is. What is that one next step that you need to take? We want to resource you. We want to send you a book. And so we've just dropped a link in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. If you'll click on that link, we're going to ask you three questions. We want your name, your phone number, and your email address. That's all we want. We're going to connect with you. In fact, I'm the only one that'll get that information. I'd love to call and chat with you this week. Hey, here's what we want to know, want you to know. You're not in this alone, and we want to be there with you. Hey, I have enjoyed our time together. It's been awesome. I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.